When I was in college and single, there came a moment when I was like, you know, Lord, I just really want to go on a date. I want to go on a date where a guy buys my dinner and makes me feel like a lady. And it's just a great night. And so I told the Lord that. And sure enough, next day, I'm talking on the phone to a guy who's a a new friend. And he asked me to dinner. I was like, oh my gosh, this is great. So he comes, he picks me up. And you know, he's dressed all suave and nice. He's in his Batmobile car. He had a freaking awesome car. This dude is rich. And we go to dinner. And you know, the guy was rude. And he would boss me around. He was so cocky and he was so condescending. And he was like, why don't you go get me some ranch? And he was just like the literally worst date I've ever had. Okay, so basically that's what 2020 was for us. 2020 was the date that looked like it was going to be amazing, but just didn't cut the mustard. You know what I'm saying? So I know all of you probably threw your New Year's resolutions and your New Year's planners in the trash come March. But then, of course, you had to go back to the trash can and pull it out because, oh yeah, now you're a homeschooling mom. Welcome to 2020, right? (laughs) So the good news is, though, in hardship and in challenges and when we are not comfortable is when we grow. It's when we learn and when we walk away with wisdom. Ah, that's good news. And so that's what I decided to spend this episode on because believe it or not, 2020 did offer us some beautiful things. So we're going to focus in on that. Now, the exciting part is you guys are my feature during the life hacks segment. I got on social media and asked all of you What were your top lessons learned in 2020? And that is what we feature in the life hack segment. So this episode is really just three, my top faves. And then the life hacks is going to be all of y'all's. Now the next two weeks, just a heads up, I will not be recording episodes because I'm going to enjoy the holidays with my fam. But back on January 8th, I will be back with our next episode. So make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're following me on Instagram so you don't miss out. All right, let's cue up that intro music and jump into the goodness that 2020 did hold. Hi, and you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenilee Samuel. This first lesson I learned is wrapped up pretty well in this quote. Sometimes you'll never know the true value of a moment until it becomes a memory. I think this quote is saying that basically you don't know what you have till you lose it. However, I think it's true of COVID that I think many of us got so busy doing life before COVID. Basketball games, running to stores, church, all the things that we don't really know the value of a moment of time with each other until it becomes a memory. And I mean, till we can make it into a memory, meaning those moments that used to be busy, running our kids to and from sports, to and from the store, doing all the things, suddenly life comes to a screeching halt and we have to slow down and we have the opportunity to begin to create memories again. You guys, that was the first thing that got my attention in 2020 is how the flip did we get so busy that now we have all this time to create memories. So that's the first lesson I learned in 2020 is the importance of slowing down 
in order to connect with the people that you love and create memories. For some people that lost people that they love, I have a couple of um, people that I knew from church that passed away during 2020 because of COVID. And I guarantee you their family members are saying that they learned the value of cherishing those moments because you never know when you won't have them. And so I feel like the value of slowing down, not just slowing down, life came to a freaking screeching halt. (laughs) It was like, and we're done. (laughs) And suddenly all of the housewives who work full-time or work part-time or were stay-at-home moms and had a predictable schedule, now they have their kids 24-7 and they are the teacher. And teachers who had a career now are at home with their own kids having to figure out in 48 hours how to teach their kids remotely using Zoom. Nobody knew what Zoom was. And then within less than a week, the whole world was on Zoom. (laughs) You know, and it's like, Suddenly, though, even though that part of the life was crazy, we haven't had so much time to just take walks around the neighborhood and talk to our neighbors and stay home and have movie nights. And I can't tell you how many times we made homemade pizza. Like, we've never made homemade pizza as a family, but in COVID, we made homemade pizza and we did it while we all painted pictures off of YouTube videos. (laughs) I mean, or we were out in the driveway using masking tape on the ground to create cool designs that we then colored in with colored chalk and made our own fabulous stained glass window lookalikes on the driveway. You know, it's like all the creative little moments that we were forced to reach down and create simply because the time was suddenly afforded to us. And it, it really, I, I don't even know how many times I asked myself, what was I doing with my time before this? And I realized, A, church was some of it, and that's not bad. You know, we missed, we missed being able to be at church. But I realized how many frivolous activities we filled our time with that really wasn't necessary. In fact, one change that I implemented from this um, uh, evaluation uh, is I noticed that a lot of time gets sucked up running errands, running to Burlington, running to Ross, running to the get to the post office, running here, running there, doing all the things just because we can, just because, oh, I'm home from school now, I need to run an errand. And I finally implemented with my boys because they were, they were, they got really bad about, you know, mom, I need you to take me here, there and yonder. And they didn't want to wait. They wanted to go now. And so I finally said, you know what? There's four of y'all. And if every one of you wants me to run one errand every day, I literally spend the entire evening running errands and that's not okay. So we made it where we're going to have errand running Saturdays. And that way, in that way, I was able to kind of create a little boundary. Saturdays, if you need it that bad and it can't wait till Saturday, we'll discuss it. But if it can wait till Saturday, then it wasn't as urgent as you thought, you know. And so having that little boundary made us kind of segment our time and allowed us to prioritize keeping things slower during the week so we could still have our family dinners and have our downtime together. I also realized I saved money by not doing all of those things. So that was a win too. I had more money to work with to buy chalk (laughs) so we could ride on the driveway. Um, And so anyway, so that lesson was a simple one, but 
I think it kind of slapped all of us in the face at first, was like, what the heck were we doing with our time? And it was so refreshing. Another thing I realized from all that downtime is not only does it afford us those memory moments that we could then cultivate and create, but it also nurtured creativity. Um, the, some of the major thought leaders of, the, of our time, people that are uh, innovators and creators and leaders and business people and driving society forward, one of the things that most of them will tell you is to protect your margin time, which is your downtime, your, your not, not scheduled time, the time where your creativity can just run free and, and nothing is scheduled and nothing is forced because in those moments is when your creativity perks up and your creativity is like, oh, I'm a little bit bored. Let's figure out something to do. And if you have an extended amount of boredom, then you're going to have an extended amount of creativity because your brain wants to fill the time with something productive. So anyways, I just learned that the importance of downtime and connecting with families that sometimes we don't know the true value of a moment until it becomes the opportunity for a memory. So that was my first life lesson. Um, okay, the second thing was a little bit a little bit more serious in nature, but I think all of us could relate to this of just that when you come up against something that just looks like a massive roadblock, you have the opportunity to sit down and just sit right there and wait for the road to clear, or you can turn it into a redirect. And you can view it as a blessing and realize that what is now a suddenly shut door can become an open door in other ways. And so I did end up losing a job in August. Um, I think it was probably indirectly because of COVID. I think that there, even though I kept my job for, for a good portion of the COVID lockdowns, um, it was a housing, the housing industry, it took a while for that momentum to slow down. And so come August, uh, it had slowed down and they're like, you know, we're just going to go ahead and release your position. And so um, I lost my job. But when I lost that job, it gave me the freedom and the time to really turn my attention back to my business and start to um, dig into that, pray into my business more. And I realized the other day when I was looking back over, I was actually writing down all the different places that my business has been featured throughout the years. And I realized the good majority of them was all in 2020. And I was like, wow, I didn't realize 2020 was such a good year for me with my business. Like, that's awesome. That doesn't necessarily equate to that I've made more money with my business. Um, but momentum was built and traction and word of mouth. And, and I actually, actually, you know what? I did make more money with my business this year than I did last year. So that is encouraging. Um, and so in that, but I, what inspired me as I looked around is I saw a number of people when they were locked down and stuck in their homes, I saw a number of people were like, you know what, now I get to reach my fitness goals. And they started working out and getting fit. And I was not one of those. I put on weight, but I was so proud of my, (laughs) so proud of my friends who got fit and use that time to their advantage. Some friends were like, you know what, I'm going to pick up an old skill, like an instrument. One friend started learning the piano. My husband finished his book. Um, My sister started a business. Uh, I was able to really dig into my business and and took up some new opportunities. Um, My boys took up some new hobbies. And, you know, there was just a lot of things that that took off. One, um, One thing I also loved is that with the COVID lockdowns, 
I think at first we were all really kind of like our brains were short circuiting, feeling like every direction we turned, um, there was, there was like an obstacle with distancing and masks and, and the fact that the, the regulations were changing constantly. Um, but eventually we all got our footing. Eventually we, we found a, a way to navigate around all of that. And, um, when my husband and I, back in 2005, we started a college ministry called Chi Alpha. It wasn't called that when we started, but, um, it's still going now. And that's so awesome. It's been going for 15 years at our, at our university here. And so, even though we're not over it anymore, it still very much feels like an extension of us. Um, and, and as they, and so we check in with them frequently, you know, just, we still kind of serve as mentorship to, to the leaders there. And what I love is that, you know, in an abundance of caution and their desire to be really careful to make sure they didn't do anything that would cause their, their, the campus ministry to get shut down. Um, it caused them to kind of diversify and they created a couple of different sets of meetings on campus and even off campus. And that actually has really nurtured growth in their campus ministry in reaching students. And now they're looking at more small group students, small group leaders getting trained than, um, than in recent years. And I just was so excited for them. You know, they've been working hard to build their own momentum for, I don't know, three or four years now. And, um, and I'm just excited to see that in 2020 of all years, that momentum is starting to really pick up. And so I feel like for everybody who saw those roadblocks and were like, you know what, I guess we pivot. And so many people did just to survive. People pivoted, you know, and it just forced this creativity out of us and this resilience and this resourcefulness that we, we never would have explored if we weren't forced to. And so that was the second life lesson that I really took note of is how when life throws you what looks like the freaking heaviest of roadblocks, there's still a way to pivot. There is still a way to look at it as an opportunity to redirect and consider yet another option. And I have seen so many businesses and so many individuals flourish when they took that attitude. And so that was super encouraging. So the third lesson I've learned, um, and this one I'm going to take a minute to linger on, is the importance of church. And don't tune me out when I say that. Um, because here's the reality. It got really comfortable for all of us, and I'm raising my hand when I say all of us, to stay at home and wear pajamas, drink your coffee, make your breakfast, and watch church on TV. Like, that was kind of fabulous. <laughs> not having to get up and do my hair and makeup an hour and a half before church to be there on time, rushing and barely getting there on time. You know what I mean? Like it was so great having this at home cozy vibe of like church at home. Um, but after uh, five or six weeks, people started to feel the lack of community and fellowship with other believers. And not that it's not sufficient to meet with the Lord with your family, but it really is different. And I want to dig into why it's different because I heard a statistic just the other day that at this point, even though a lot of churches, most churches have opened back up, we're in, you know, the end of the year of 2020, um, 30%, a third of believers who used to go to church still have not returned to church. Now, I know for some of them, it's it's a safety precaution if they're, you know, like 
really nervous about COVID. It's not that they'll never return to church. They're just really nervous about church. But I do know that there is a large portion of people who have not returned to church simply because they broke the habit of going to church. And what kind of got my attention was when um, when we started going back, actually, uh, when the church started opening back up was actually kind of a tense, difficult time for us at our church because um, we didn't realize it, but that our they were about to not hire us back to our position. We had been on a sabbatical and we didn't realize that they were they were not going to be opening that doorway back up to us. And we didn't know it. The Lord had prepared our hearts and prepared another opportunity at another church to be pastors over there. But it, it emotionally was very difficult, um, especially because with COVID, uh, they actually, the Sunday that we were supposed to say farewell to that church body to go take our new position at another church, um, they, sh- they had to shut down the church again because of a spike in COVID cases. And so we never even got to say goodbye to everybody. And that was hard. Like I spent our first Sunday at our new church just crying that whole Sunday. I think I just cried the whole day. Um, it was difficult, you know, and it felt in a lot of ways like that had really been stolen from us. Um, but about the time I was ready to climb into my pity party, I, I thought about all the people whose weddings got canceled and who's, who missed out on graduations, like my oldest son, you know, and all these different things. And I was like, you know what, Jen, you're not alone in this frustration. It is going to be all right. Um, but with all of that said, because that time was difficult coming up to, that those months, those Sundays of when we would have been returning to church, emotionally, I was feeling really displaced. And I was like, I don't want to go to church. I just don't even feel like going to church. I just would look for every excuse not to go to church. I feel like I could kind of identify with people who carried church hurt, you know, because I was carrying my own version of church hurt and church disappointment, I guess you would, you could say. And, um, and so it, it, what, what got my attention though, and startled me about how dangerous that could be is when I started noticing, you know, church was open. We, we needed to go back on Sundays. I didn't really want to, I was going, you know, because it was the right thing to do or, or whatever. But my kids could see my reluctance to want to go back and they could see that I was looking for any excuse to stay home. And so they started, dad was like, we're going to church. My kids would come to me and say, mom, can we just stay home? I don't really want to go to church. I don't really want to da da da. So when I started seeing my kids not wanting to go to church and I remembered my childhood, it was like, if you're not on your deathbed, you're going to church, buddy, you know, like, and, and that taught me the priority and the importance of, of keeping God number one in our life. And so when I saw that my kids saw in me a laziness and an apathy and, and kind of a lukewarmness about prioritizing God in our attendance at church, I, I realized I was treading some dangerous territory, if you will, because as their parent, it's my job to train them to understand that that's, as a believer, that's important. And there's so many benefits to going to church. And um, anyway, so that that kind of got my attention and made me realize, A, it's not just important to go to church because it's important to be around believers, but it's important for me to take my children to church because it sends a message to them about the priority that God and that our faith is in our life. And 
I realized I was messing with that message by being so passive about my response to return to church. And, um, and I was like, you know what, Jen, discouraged or not, you're going to church lazy or not. You better get your butt out that door. (laughs) And I just had to like slap myself around a little bit. And so it, but it did get me thinking about why, why is it such a priority to go to church? Is it just because it's a good religious duty? Because if going to church was just so you could hear the word, then that's like the equivalent, let's make the parallel, that's like the equivalent of my kids having family dinner with us purely for the nutritional aspect. If it was purely for the food that's going in their mouth, then technically what's wrong with them eating by themselves in their bedroom or just going and grabbing fast food by themselves? The, the point of family dinner and coming together for a meal as a family is the togetherness the sense of belonging, the sense of connectedness, the sense of safety that comes from knowing that people see you, people know you, and there's someone who's going to see through you if you're having a hard time, but you're just covering it with a smile. They might, they'll ask, hey, what's wrong? You don't seem like yourself. There is, there's safety in not being alone. And going to church is like the family meal. It's more than just the food being put in your mouth. It's more than just the message that's being preached to you. You can get messages during the week. If you need extra nutrition beyond family dinner, which you do, feed yourself. You know what I mean? I eat breakfast and I eat lunch and I don't always do it with the whole family. But dinner time, we come together, we connect. We do it as a family because it brings a sense of all those things I just listed. Same thing as going to church. I I meet with a group of... um, of of intercessors on Tuesday mornings we pray for the nation and there have been so many times that I show up on Tuesday morning and maybe my week has been busy or or I've just you know spiritually I was feeling a little discouraged or whatever and and I show up on Tuesday morning and and these are guys who are like they're chasing the face of God they're my people you know like that's my people and and when I'm having a hard week or they're having a hard week and we get in that little group and everyone just starts speaking from, from what God's showing them, what God's speaking to them, how they've been encouraged, how God's challenged them. And, and it's like their spiritual fervor, it's like it ignites that fire in your own heart. And I have thought to myself so many times, I need these guys in my life. I need them in my life. I need them for my own spiritual health. Am I a mature believer? Yes. Have I been walking with the Lord for decades? Absolutely. Do I know God's voice and talk to him every day? Absolutely. Do I struggle with sin? Like I have a sin problem? No, not really. I love God. I don't like to sin, you know, but I still need those people in my life because I, like anybody, can still, it's kind of like the law of humanity. We If we're not intentional to move in a direction, we will naturally move towards deterioration. So if you're not, if you're not intentionally building your relationship with God, surrounding yourself with people who challenge you in that way, reading the word, spending time, if you're not intentionally investing in your spiritual disciplines and in your spiritual life, then, and, and if you just let laziness take over, you will naturally spiritually deteriorate. Does that mean you lose your salvation? No. But does that mean you get out of touch with God's voice and God's hand in your life? Yeah. All of us, any of us, we've all been there, right? And so going to church 
is not just about the message that's being preached. It's about the people you're connecting with. It's about feeling seen, feeling known, feeling like you belong, being part of a community, being encouraged because you hear what God is speaking to so-and-so and it speaks to your heart. It's, it's showing up and you've had a hard week and someone sees that look on your face and they come to you and they're like, let me pray with you. Can I help you? Can I buy your groceries this week? What can I do to support you? You guys, it makes the difference of spiritual survival or not. Going to church is essential for your spiritual survival. Not only that, the Bible tells us it is it is a command, and it's a command because God knows it's so important. It's like like I tell my kids, brush your teeth. That is a command. Why? Because it is important because I don't want your teeth to rot out. <laughs> they will rot if you don't brush your teeth. Your spiritual life will rot if you don't go to church. You know what I mean? No, okay, don't get mad at me. Don't write emails. I'm, I'm not being an extremist. But what I'm saying is there's a reason God made us to be a family. If he just wanted us to be lone rangers with him, he would not have put us in a family of God. Okay, so emotionally, it brings moral support. It brings joy. You receive energy. You receive strength. When you go and you're around like-minded people who believe like you believe, it infuses your spirit and your heart and your emotions with joy. It causes you to feel seen and valued. It helps prevent feelings of loneliness, anxiety, and depression. In fact, statistically, people who go to church and, and exercise their faith, even if they're not Christians, but they exercise a faith of some kind, they're statistically happier people. Um, I believe that Christians are even among the happiest because we have reasons to have joy. Um, even when things are falling apart, we have the word of God and we have Jesus as our, as our companion. Um, spiritually, of course, your spirit picks up from what you're around. So Prophet Phil was in town recently, and uh, and it was interesting. When you have a man or woman of God that carry a strong anointing, and really all of us carry a measure of anointing, right? There's God's hand is on each of us in a very unique way. And so you bring that atmosphere with you. Whatever your giftings are, whatever that grace is that God has put on your life, um, you carry that with you, and that atmosphere affects the people that you rub up against. So I'm going to use Prophet Phil as an example. So Prophet Phil, he's a prophet. He's very prophetic. Like he, when he was in town, we had dozens and dozens and dozens of healings, lots of ears opened and heart issues and diabetes, and he got words of knowledge about all these people, and he just carries a prophetic anointing. Well, you know, it was interesting we all came in, we were in service with him. He stirred up a prophetic atmosphere. Even after he left town that next Sunday, there was about five of us who had prophetic words in the service. And it was just, it was definitely, um, the volume was turned up, if you will, on the prophetic sensitivity after Prophet Phil had been there. And why is that? Because he brings a prophetic atmosphere with him, a climate that if he had not have been there, it wouldn't have been affected the same way. Same thing, you know, it's kind of like you get around someone who's really moody and depressing and you get around them and you just, it almost feels like it jumps on you, right? People affect the atmosphere. Well, when you go to church and you're in an environment where you've got men and women of God around you, all different people in the congregation, in the staff, in the leadership, 
you get in that environment, you are picking up things spiritually that you don't have to work for because you just get in that environment and you receive the benefit of it. You know what I mean? You literally receive the benefit of that person's faith next to you, of their prayer life next to you, of the way that the word of God has been forged in them. You can just get around somebody and it sharpens you. In fact, there was, I remember there was a girl who came and lived with us for like, I don't know, three months, six months or whatever. And she said that she noticed when she lived in our house, she felt like she could hear God's voice so easily. And then when she moved out of our house, she said she felt that the climate was different and it wasn't as easy to connect with God's voice. Does that mean God wasn't talking to her? No, it just means she came into an environment where now instead of it just being her listening for God's voice, there was three of us who were actively engaging, engaged in God's presence and seeking his heart and activating angelic activity in our home. I mean, like the spiritual climate of our home was a lot more active with the things of God because there was more of us in the home doing that. And so it was easier for her to hear God's voice and pick up on his voice and his presence in an environment where there was more of us doing it. And so just by saturation, if you will, when you're at church, you reap the benefit of other people's spiritual walk with God when you're there. It's not the same way just through YouTube or through videos online. Can you be touched by those? Absolutely. Can you be healed through videos? Absolutely. Those are totally valid. But let me just ask you, if you've been out of the country for a few months and you are ready to see your spouse, is it the same thing talking to them on FaceTime versus actually being in their arms? It's different, right? It's different. And so having church on YouTube or having church online is a blessing when that is the only resource that we have. But when you have access to other believers physically, being in church with them, get your behind to church. Make it a point because not only are you affected emotionally with encouragement and support, spiritually you pick up on and you benefit from the fruit of the people around you and the stuff that they carry spiritually. Um, And then family-wise, your kids. Your kids benefit from seeing that priority in your life and in the life of your family. And so those are those are my biggest lessons. And I took a little longer on that last one because to me it really is important. Um, but I want to take some time and highlight some of the things that you guys have pointed out. But just in summary, real quick, the three things I had shared was that we the importance of slowing down protecting that margin time in our life by not filling up our spare time with all these little tasks and activities because that margin time is when your creativity stirs and it's also where you connect with the people that matter the most and so slowing down connecting with people protecting that margin time for your own creativity is important that was lesson number one lesson two turning roadblocks into blessings every one of us was forced to get creative And there were so many awesome things that happened in 2020 because we all were forced to pivot. Next time life hands you a roadblock, remember 2020 and realize this is probably just a great opportunity to reinvent yourself and you can do it, my friend. And the third lesson was the importance of church. Emotionally, spiritually, and even the le- the message that it sends to your children and to your family, it's important to go be 
at church. If you got out of the habit, just rebuild the habit. Set it, set your goal in 2021 to make it a priority to get back in church. If you need to sit in the back corner with a mask on your face so you feel safe, do it. If you need to keep your kids with you and not put them in kids church for a little while, do what makes you feel comfortable. But honey, if your church is open and you can get there, get back to church. I'm just saying for your own spiritual health, for the impact on your family, get to church. It's just going to help you. It's a blessing. God set it up that way. And I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it blesses his heart to see his kids get together and have a good time with one another. Okay, so we're going to jump into the last episode of 2020. Our life hacks segment is the lessons you guys learned from this year. Okay, so I had some really fun responses from you guys. I said, what was your top lesson learned in 2020? Tiffany said that I really enjoy spending time alone and not having to deal with so many people, not having so many in-person meetings and lunches. Zoom meetings are so much easier. (laughs) I said she must have been the only person that really appreciated Zoom. I got so sick of Zoom, and I think my kids did too. But you know what? For all those introverts, they were probably like, yes and hallelujah. And I do have to say, it is really nice. Don't got to put makeup on. Just leave the camera off. There you go. Or put on glasses and pretend. You don't even got to wear pants. That is kind of great. Okay, so Melissa said something she's known all along, but it was really reaffirmed this year, is to be patient and trust God that he has a plan for your life, even when it feels like he's not answering your prayers right away. And then she shared a story of how she's wanted to move out of her town for 10 years, didn't feel like home, and long story short, it was roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. Well, finally, and they're in the position where they could move, but the fact that they stayed in their town created other opportunities for her to play a really important role in her city. And now she's not sure that she would want to move. And so she realized that when things aren't quite panning out like you're wanting and praying and pleading, possibly it's because God has a bigger plan in place and you just haven't seen all the pieces come together yet. So that was a great lesson for 2020. That was a roadblock turned into a blessing, right? I asked my sister and she said uh, her lesson for 2020 is that her standards for herself were too high. I laughed at it, but you know what? Honestly, I think all of us have learned that our standards for what normal life looks like had to adjust quite drastically. Any of y'all who are teachers probably really felt that. My sister, my other sister is a teacher in LA this year and it was her first year to be a teacher in 2020 of all years to start teaching, right? And she just learned and all the other teachers were like, listen, what we normally would teach our kids, cut it in half and that's the bar this year. If you can teach them half what you would in a normal year, it was a win. And so I think our teachers and even our moms, when you're a working mom and you're a homeschooling mom and all the other things and you can't go anywhere and you're about to lose your mind pulling your hair out because your kids are everywhere, yep, lowering your standards for yourself maybe what the doctor ordered. However, just don't lower him so much that you end up becoming an alcoholic. Let's not go that direction. So (laughs) um, let's see. My mom said that God is in control no matter what we see or hear. And you know what? I have really learned that as well. I've been paying a lot of attention to government this year. I've, I've learned more this year about politics and government than I've ever learned in my entire flipping life. It's a little embarrassing. Um, but it's been exciting as well. And 
I have come to learn the importance of hearing God's voice for what you're believing for, whether it's for the nation, for your family, for your own personal life. Get God's voice on the matter and then hold on to that. No matter what it looks like, no matter what it sounds like around you, just hold on to what God has said because he's working and sometimes the process doesn't look like what it's going to end up looking like. And so that was a good lesson, mom. Uh, Rosanna Sanchez. Um, hey girl, she's one of my monthly sponsors. Rosanna, you're the best. Um, she said so many lessons this year, but top is the power of the blood of Jesus and the power in our words. And she says, Proverbs eighteen twenty one, which I believe that's that the tongue, the power of life and death are in the tongue. Um, and then revelation twelve eleven. I don't know that one offhand. Um, Oh, I think that's the overcome by the word of their testimony, the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Um, Wow, go me for knowing both of those scriptures. You guys need to tell me if I was right. I didn't look them up. Um, But yeah, the power of the blood. And Rosanna is the one who sent in the question about why is the blood of Jesus so powerful for that episode a few episodes back. And y'all, that was a really, that was a pivotal uh, episode for me. I had to, I spent hours digging and studying to make sure I could really give an educated response to her question. And y'all, that was a really impactful episode for me. And so I learned a lot with that. So Rosanna, your lesson became my lesson. <laughs> Thank you so much for writing into that. And then uh, truth is a weapon on Instagram, uh, Alicia. She said, I learned that I struggle with anxiety when I feel totally out of control. I think all of us have felt out of control this year uh, because in the past when things were out of her control, they ended horrifically. And this year revealed that in her heart through tremendous change and uncontrollable situations that she was feeling that experience. But from that, she's actively and daily having to choose the better part, which is Jesus and to cultivate thankfulness rather than allowing herself to get trapped in the web of anxiety because it's not, it's not always easy, but it's worth the work. And you know what? I love that because Alicia, basically what 2020 became is that was already a thing inside of you. But 2020 was like the furnace that brought it to the surface so that you could begin to deal with it. So 2020 became like a healing journey for you, which is just so powerful. I just love that. Um, So I'm going to pop over here to Facebook where I had asked this question and you guys, I got so many responses. Some of them I just, I can't read because they're cynical, but <laughs> some of them were really insightful. Uh, one is relax and enjoy the ride coming from a lawyer. Um, and she's a business owner. One, give it to God. Another one is it ain't over till it's over. Another is be flexible. I think we all are like, yes and amen to that. Another one is that life can change quickly. And you know, um, 2020 brought some serious eternal life changes for people, for those who lost family members. And I I know a couple of people who passed away from COVID this year, and it's heartbreaking. Um, it's just heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking when anyone loses someone that they love. And so I can imagine um, that, that for people who've known people who've either come close or who have passed, it's really been a year of making the most and, and saying the things you want to say and making the most of the moments you have together. Um, uh, let's see. Cherish and appreciate your friends and family and the ability to be near them. Okay, that's basically, I didn't realize that was the next one. Have quality time with family and love it. Um, <laughs> Sam says, it can get worse. 
In other words, about when you think your life is bad, it can get worse. That's funny. Um, Mary says, every chance you have to get be with your mom, take it. Even if it's just five minutes, you'll regret those missed moments when she's gone. Oh, Mary. Um, always, Jen says, always make sure you have enough toilet paper because 2020 brought the crap. <laughs> oh, you guys are funny. Uh, Sharon says, I thought I knew this already, but I guess I learned it again that things can change in the blink of an eye. It's true. Tessa says, nothing is guaranteed and that I'm replaceable, which I thought was a bad thing. But then she said, no, I've gone through my share of sad and defeated times this year. And I'm trying to end the year with a hot, with my head held high. I feel like with things and people that I may have lost this year, things are going to come back good in 2021. Girl, I agree. I'm going to believe with you for that. I know that people have felt a lot of loss this year. And I'm going to believe the Lord for some reprieve. Um, Shauna said social distancing from some people can be a wonderful thing. <laughs> hashtag boundaries, hashtag peace, hashtag hallelujah. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, Jessica, um, uh, let's see. Some of these are not, you know, I think people are still processing some of, some of their lessons learned. Uh, Jessica says how hateful people can be if you don't believe the same way they do. And, you know, I'm, I think we've all seen that. I think 2020 hasn't brought the best out in people. I think some of the hatefulness that we've seen maybe is a manifestation of stress from this year, too. Um, Autumn says, enjoy every moment and live life to the fullest. Gabriella says, keep your goals between you and God because not everyone will support it. There's some wisdom in that, you know. Some, sometimes we do keep our goals close until there's, a, there's fruit from them. Um... Carol says that even though we may feel helpless, we have to remember even in the darkest times, God's plan is unfolding as it should. Keep the faith. It's true. Andrea says, don't take anything for granted. Family's everything. Um, <laughs> Joe Mary says, I learned it's not ungodly to block someone on my social media. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, Danielle <laughs> says, never ever say this is my year. <laughs> Girl, this was your year. It just showed up in a different way than you expected. That's so funny. Um, so you guys, you guys experienced a lot of things. And the lessons that we all learned this year are vast and different. But I think, I think we can all say we're thankful that Christmas is here and the New Year's is here. And we know that things may not magically become better because 2021 is upon us. But there's something about a new season that gives us the ability to kind of take a breath and feel like we can start fresh. And so with that, let me just encourage you that the word says that God's mercies are new every day. And so the state of the government might last well into 2021. The state of the election, the state of COVID, the state of these restrictions might last for a while. But if they do, just rest assured, as refreshing as a new year is to us, you can have that same measure of refreshing every day because the word says that God's mercies are new every day. And sometimes that's enough to just help me breathe deep and be like, you know what? I don't have to take today's junk into tomorrow. I don't have to take today's frustration or my failures or my unmet expectations into tomorrow. 
I can leave him in today and tomorrow I can just step into God's new mercies. And so I'm going to invite you guys to do that with me in 2021. Nothing may change externally. Let's say nothing does change externally. And this goes on for a little while. We have some resilience now and so we're better for it. But you know what is going to be new in 2021 is God's mercies. It is a new season and there is a new age in front of us and God's mercies are new. And I'm going to just pull on those mercies. I'm going to pull on his grace. And so whatever 2021 brings you guys, I just bless you. I bless your Christmas season. Thank you guys so much for your support this year. Um, Java with Jen has had some incredible milestones. Spotify, I threw them up on my stories on Instagram. Spotify gave me some summaries and and Java with Jen was ranked number 14 um, for religion and spirituality in Bulgaria this year. We were ranked 92, which is way further down the charts, but in New Zealand, we were ranked 92 in religion and spirituality. And ironically, those two countries were my first two missions trips as a teenager. So that's kind of a small world, right? Um, And that's just, but that's just on Spotify. You know, I don't know all the different platforms, you know, but just the fact that this podcast ranked at all was super, super like an unexpected, pleasant surprise for me. I have a dream in my heart to encourage lots of people. I have a dream in my heart to, to say things that would bring life to people and make your life richer and better. Um, and so I put a lot of time into this podcast. I put my heart into this and I hope you guys feel that. I hope you guys can sense that I really, really am trying to give you my best. Um, and so when I see that the podcast is listened to in 55 countries, that just feels like a kiss from the Lord. And when I see that you guys sign up as sponsors of the podcast financially, even if it's 99 cents a month or if it's 20 bucks a month or whatever it is that the Lord tells you, like that blesses me. I just don't think you guys know how much that blesses me. And so you guys have been amazing. And so as I look back at 2020, I picked the podcast back up in May after a year of, of laying it down. And, and, and it's just, it's been incredible. You guys have been awesome. And you guys are such an encouragement. And so I, with these two weeks off, I'll be picking back up in January. And um, I would love if you guys would make sure if you're not subscribed, make sure you subscribe so that you don't miss when the episodes come live again. Um, also, if you don't follow me on Instagram, come follow on Instagram because that is where I put out lots of anno- announcements for upcoming episodes. That's where I'll let you guys know um, what's coming or I'll ask you questions about what you'd like to hear or if there's any guests that you guys would like me to have or whatever, speaking of, if you have a guest you'd like me to have, hook me up, connect me with the people that you'd like me to have, and I'd love to. Um, or just throw me recommendations, and I'll see if I can um, get them on the show. And so, anyways, but with all this said, you guys, I just pray that you will have the best holiday season. I pray that as you walk out of 2020, you walk out feeling the strength of the resilience inside of you that you made it through this year. And I'm praying that the Lord will speak to your heart um, promises for 2021 that he himself will fulfill and that you yourself can hold on to and believe for. 
And I'm just praying that the richness of his new mercies would rain down on you as you head into this new year. And um, I just love you guys and I bless you. And thank you for listening to this episode. And we'll see you in 2021. Come follow on Instagram, Java with Jen. See you there. Bye, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. For those of you who've rated or shared this podcast on social media, thank you. Reading your comments and reviews always means so much to me. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say hey. It's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Thank you to each of you for your ongoing support. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Until next time, remember, you've got this and God's got you.